SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast consisting of individuals with an older average age than the Michigan coaching staff. I am Jared Stormer of maizeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of maizeandbrew.com, my hetero life mate. Andy, you early Byzantine-era warlord. How you been, brother? Been good, man. You know, Michigan sports are thriving. Just got back from a little mini vacay. Escaped the cold for a few days. I'm feeling great. Yeah, man. Good on you. Yeah, you went to uh, Portland, right? Yeah, Portland, Oregon. See some friends, you know, catch up, drink some beer. I mean, we all need a nice refreshing weekend to get the juices flowing again. Amen, brother. My last trip was to scenic Swanton, Ohio, home of a Kroger <laughs> and 3,000 pigs, and that's it. <laughs> we may have been 50th in the state in test scores, but we were third in meth bus. <laughs> <laughs> and two in pig quantity. There we are. There we are. <laughs> <laughs> good, man. It's, uh, it's good to be back, and while Michigan athletics are thriving, they are also uh, not because they're not happening. Uh, they are currently completely shut down. So that was kind of the big news that happened since we last spoke. It's a bummer. Uh, basically, Depart- Michigan Department of Health and Human Services uh, told the University of Michigan that they would have to shut down. It wasn't necessarily a university decision. This was kind of a recommendation. And then the u- university followed up on it. Basically, there is a COVID-19 variant, which is transmitted much more easily. So now the whole athletic department is shut down for two weeks. Yeah, it's fine. Once again, Michigan, you know, jumping on it early, just like in football, but they didn't backtrack on that or anything. Uh, <laughs> so this definitely comes as a bummer, especially because some of the sports that are rolling right now in the Michigan athletic department have zero positive tests and zero contact as far as we know with the other sports that have it. It's frustrating, to say the least. It is, and it really impacts uh, men's and women's basketball because, like you said, they're both rolling right now, and this kind of a shutdown, we'll see if they can keep it together mentally, keep that competitive edge. It's I don't want to get too into it. This isn't an epidemiology podcast. We don't try to get into the politics of the whole thing, but it does seem a little bit off base that there's no positive test in the basketball program, and yet they have to completely stop. It's not like wrestlers and basketball players are hanging out together. I've never seen that in any of the colleges I've attended. No, it's next cats and dogs. Like, no, this is, this is Billy. Like, I understand being cautious and I understood that with football as well, but it just feels a little over cautious. Maybe there was a better way to handle it. Like you said, we're not going to get into the like political nuance of it, but yeah, it's frustrating. I really hope it doesn't take away from the minimum of the basketball teams. No, because as it stands right now, we're number one in the Big Ten, absolutely rolling. Uh, The last time we saw Michigan basketball was that win over Maryland. So uh, a really great comeback after the loss to Minnesota. They come back and just boat race Maryland. And this is kind of what I expected. In our last pod, we talked about it, that we were not too worried about that loss to Minnesota. It's going to happen. I think Michigan's going to probably have four, five losses. By the time the season's over, that's just the way it works. So that that loss to Minnesota didn't really mean much. But then you come back and against Maryland, Isaiah Livers uh, really, really showed out. And uh, and once again, I want to get into this. I mean, first, any any thoughts on that Maryland win? 
It's just a great, resilient performance from the team. And Isaiah Livers is fantastic in this. And I got another follow-up point to what you're about to say about okay, Livers. Okay, so my, my follow-up point is a bit of a question. So at the beginning of the year, uh, we talked about who we thought the best players on the team were. And I've rode with Franz Wagner the whole time. I said, I think he's the best player on the team. Uh, Hunter Dickinson came out absolutely hair on fire. Looked like he was hands down the best player on the team. Uh, then Wagner came on. Now Livers is coming on. So there's a legit three-man race for the best player on this team. Yeah, it's Isaiah Livers these last two games against Maryland. He was incredible. What? what how many points did he finish with in that game? Uh, I believe he finished with, I want to say 26. I got it, I got it 26, right. 26, 3, and 7. Nice. Yeah, 26, 3, and 7. Okay. And then comes back at Purdue after that and has 22, 10, and 3. Like, <laughs> efficiently too yeah very efficiently seven of 14 from the field three of five from three and i really hope that this pause to the program does not take away from this team but honestly as this team has shown they can handle a little adversity they can weather the storm and get through it so as far as any michigan team goes in recent memory that could handle this kind of pause i think this team might even just come out hungrier i think so too and i mean they are getting some extra rest I mean, I, I think they'd probably rather be playing. These are young, young kids. They don't need the rest that 40-year-old LeBron James needs. Correct. Um, who, even he, does. he's a superhuman. So he's maybe not, he's, yeah, not he's, a, he's mostly robot. So. Yeah, maybe Kawhi Leonard would be a better example. There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Guys that need to get some rest. So they don't necessarily need two weeks off, but I am also not super worried about them losing that competitive edge. They know what's in front of them, and that is still the Big Ten Tournament. And then the NCAA tournament where they will likely be, I mean, anything other than a number one seed at this point is going to seem like a disappointment. Yeah, 100 percent. And during this um, this pause, Michigan loses Penn State again, uh, Indiana, Northwestern. And the one that we really were wanting to see was the Michigan, the first Michigan State game that was going to take place at home for us. But yeah, I don't want to lose both of those. I mean, hopefully we can get at least one regular season showdown against them because they are struggling right now. And, you know, maybe it's a little uh, holdover from football, but I really want to beat the brakes off Michigan State while they're struggling. That sounds like a lot of fun to me. Yeah, because it was so annoying last year watching was it Cassius Winston, just a very likable player, destroy us. And it was like, God, I want to yell at you but you've been through so much and you're such a good player it's like this is our turn there's no sob stories there's no heartfelt rise from the ashes no like really just want to pummel michigan state so badly especially for football like you said like yeah i mean and you know there's nothing we can do about the football game but it would become it'd be nice to come out and beat them by 35 points i would really enjoy that so um the first game back i believe will be illinois correct yep february 11th February 11th. So it's unfortunate. I've really been enjoying watching a lot more Michigan basketball this year, um, especially being at home more. So we're, we're going to have to make do and find other ways to entertain ourselves sports wise in the meantime. But like you said, I'm not overly worried about them losing focus. No. And we still keep a Michigan State game on the schedule if none of these get postponed or if none of these get made up. And we still keep an Ohio State game and we still keep the monster home Iowa game on the schedule as well. Absolutely. And, and these guys have so much to play for, too. I mean, especially the older guys, Livers and Wagner, they've got their sights on the NBA. So, you know, they're going to they're going to keep this team hungry. Juwan Howard, one of the top 10 Americans living right now. He's going to keep the team hungry. Yeah, there's I'm not worried about it. I mean, maybe 10 percent worried, 90 percent confident they're going to be OK. But um, 
they're being safe. There better not be another COVID shutdown for this team or athletic department the rest of the way. I can tell you that much. I'm saying, man, we're getting near, or at least there's light at the end of the tunnel. Let's just get through this thing and get back to something that resembles normalcy. So uh, before we move on, I'd like to take a moment to introduce our newest sponsor, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel out of Indianapolis, the incredibly comfortable, incredibly affordable sportswear brand, one of the largest and most comprehensive selections of college apparel in the game right now. Uh, you're listening to us ramble on about Michigan athletics. You're likely a Michigan fan but maybe you're looking for that unique gift for that family member, wife, girlfriend, who is foolish enough to support some other team. That's fine. Homefield Apparel's got you. Uh, Homefield Apparel, they're licensed apparel company. They got you covered with the wide range of schools, wide range of designs. They've got some old school ones. They got the new new school ones, anything that you're looking for. Uh, you can get 20% off your first purchase with Mason Brew at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. So uh, real quick, before we move away from Big Ten hoops, Michigan, as it stands right now, number one in the Big Ten. They've got a they've got firm grasp on number one. Um, number two, Iowa sitting at six and two and then a bunch of guys tied in last place is Michigan State at two and four in the Big Ten. So it's unfortunate that, you know, the eight and one in the Big Ten Wolverines, you know, lose a little bit of that momentum. But it's nice to be in first place. And it's also nice to see <clears throat> the Spartans at the bottom, you know. I'm we're yes. we're a little Tom Petty on this podcast, and it's great to see that. Just feels good, the soul. It does. Speaking of famous Toms that are not petty, let's talk a little little bit about Thomas J. Brady, the greatest, maybe American ever, uh, definitely the greatest quarterback ever, definitely the greatest Michigan alum to ever go on and play any sport ever. Yep. Is now going to his seventh. Super or no, no, this will be ten. Tenth. Yeah, this will be ten. This will be ten. This will be ten. Going for his seventh Super Bowl win. Correct. Yes. He already has two Super Bowl MVPs. Um, his win percentage. His three overall. MVPs. Or uh, no, four Super Bowl MVPs. Is that correct? I he think has he has four three. Super Bowl MVPs. He has three regular season MVPs. Ah, my mistake. I'm looking at the graphic wrong. Yep. Thank you for, for calling me out on that. Um Look, you know you you know the numbers here. I mean, he has more playoff wins than the Lions Browns franchises combined. Uh, what did you say? He has what thirty three playoff wins, and the next closest is what? Uh, the next closest is seventeen. Let me try and guess who that is. I am going to guess Joe Montana. I believe so. Let me double check you. Yeah, yeah. Do do a quick double check. Um, Fourteen Pro Bowls. I mean, so many of his records are becoming like Jerry Rice esque, and that I don't think they can be beaten. No, it's just they're absurd at this point. He's played nineteen seasons. He's been to fourteen conference championships. He's more likely to reach the Super Bowl than miss the playoffs. It's it's so crazy to live in an era with this guy, Thomas J. Brady, greatest living American, and also LeBron James, who are doing these things at such an advanced age and are still the best at it. I mean, I don't know if this is just humans getting too much, you know, HGH in their chicken and becoming superhumans, but this is not something that you used to see. If you go back and look at how old Bart Starr looked when he was playing like towards the end or like some of these older quarterbacks, Warren Moon. You know, that that were playing into their late 30s. They had like gray hair. Tom Brady looks like a, a, a runway model. Look, yeah. Looks like he should be in cons right now. Yeah, it feels like Peyton Manning's been out of the NFL for a decade. He's only one year older than Brady. 
Yeah, it, it's bizarre that he can be this good. And I watched that game against Green Bay and the trash human that is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, <laughs> and and his arm strength, which everyone was talking, would surely decline. I mean, he was out there throwing bullets still. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> also, you're right. Joe Montana is second, but it's only 16, not even 17. If you combine Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, they only have 20. <laughs> like Wow. That's crazy. Um, so Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees are next on that list? No, they're way down. It's Brady, Montana, Bradshaw, Manning? Elway. Oh, then Bradshaw. Pey- Peyton Manning's tied with Elway and Bradshaw with 14. Then Roethlisberger and Favre. Then Aikman, Staubach, Rodgers, Flacco. Joe Flacco has more playoff wins than Drew Brees. That's wow. That is surprising. I mean, that just that's John Harbaugh right there. Yeah, but it's also like Eli Manning has eight playoff wins, but two Super Bowls. <laughs> If there's a guy that's going to catch him, it's going to be Mahomes, honestly. That's, that's yeah. it's that, but it's still like, all right, he's been to two. He's going to make eight more. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just a tough ask because does anyone else do what Brady does to take care of his body? Like, I'm pretty sure he only eats like nuts and apples. Like, he eats like a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't eat. He's never eaten a strawberry. He does all these crazy plyometrics and everything else. And people want to like rag on and make fun of the TB12, but obviously it works. Yeah, whatever he's doing works. And I mean, I sit here and I'm like judging him based on what he does while I sit here with like a barbecue sandwich that I'm eating off of my stomach reclined in a chair, like mac and cheese drooling down. I'm like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady. (laughs) He's getting old. Yeah, eating chips off me like, oh, I forgot about that one. (laughs) The stat that blows me away is Brady's more likely to make a Super Bowl than Steph Curry is to make a three. Because Tom Brady's made the Super Bowl in 10 of his 19 seasons, which is 53%. That is unreal that one player can dictate the NFL like that. I mean, can you name another sport outside of maybe Jordan in his run where one player dictated the sport for that long? And I don't even think Jordan's run comes close. No, Jordan won his titles once he had the same system with Phil Jackson, which was great, but he still did dictate that whole decade of the 90s, even the year and a half he sat out, things were running through him or without him. But Brady's had this run, switches to a team with a completely different offense that's all air raid and deep shots, and already set the record by just playing half the season by most starts by any by all 43-year-old quarterbacks and above ever. And goes to another Super Bowl. He has as many NFC titles as Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers. He's been in the conference for one year. <laughs> it's unreal, man. And uh, if you saw the stat, Michigan in the conference championships game, conference championship games had the most players represented on the conference championship teams with eleven. Wow. Which I mean, I don't know what that means in the in the grand scheme of things, but I will say that recruits do watch the playoffs. And you see Michigan on these graphics come up at number one. You see the all-time greatest quarterback being from Michigan. I'm pretty sure he signed a jersey, gave it to Chase Young after Chase Young said he was coming for him, that said, go blue, love Tom Brady, and sent it to Chase Young after beating Washington. If that doesn't convince you he's the greatest living American, I don't know what there is. That is just so cool. And the whole he and Gronk recreating their famous video together, but playing bad boys for, oh my God. You can have a beer with one of these men. Who are you taking? Tom Brady, Bo Schembechler, Charles Woodson, Kurt Russell, Quentin Tarantino. 
That's tough. It's a very it's for me. It's between Tarantino and Brady. Uh, Charles Woodson would be fun. I don't think we have that much in common. I know Brady can <laughs> slam a beer. Uh, both oh, Schimbecker yeah. and I just don't think we'd get along that well. A little, I don't know, just age gap, you know, generational differences sure. there. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Kurt Russell is just going to make me look really ugly. Like, just, I mean, <laughs> even Brady, still, even still, I mean, Brady's not going to do me any favors here. Um, no. But just the, like, like, just see all the rings, and I just like get me on the TB12. Like, you got any tips? Like, <laughs> can you help yeah. me out? I don't even know what 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 are you going to talk to Tom Brady about? Like, hey, I also like Michigan. Ha <laughs> ha. That's 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 entirely fair. I would ask him just about like the weird nuance of it. Like, so what do you think about when you see this look? Like, how deep do you know? Just ask him random questions, like how Sean McVay's got the crazy recall. I want to see what Brady's recall is like. All right, all right, Rams third quarter. Oh one. What are you seeing? <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Something tells me he's got a pretty photographic memory, too. I mean, you, you're not that good with like he does not have Mahomes tools. I think no, we can agree no. on that. Right. Yeah. To be that good without Mahomes tools or even without like, I don't know, who's another good example of, a, of an up and comer? Like he's not Lamar Jackson with no. his tools. He's not. He's not. I mean, sorry, he's not Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have all that, like the elite arm talent, all the the, the mobility. Just no, he's just very like before the snap, like he almost always knows what's going on because he's been playing football for 20 years. I like Aaron Rodgers about as much as his family likes him. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> I'm here for all the petty Aaron Rodgers shots. I'm also here for all the outdoor Drew Brees slander you can give me. I love it. Uh, not a Drew Brees fan. Is that what you're saying? I am. I am not a Drew. I, I'm not a Drew Brees fan fan. Like Drew Brees is a person's fine. Like it's not like an Aaron Rodgers right. thing. He's just a jerk, but it's like all the narrative around. Like, oh, he's better than Brady. It's like, he, Who said that? Just dude, ignorance out there. You know, the, the intelligent beings you find on Twitter just make me mad. Some people are wrong on the internet, Jared. <laughs> That's news to me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, the Michigan coaching staff has been filled out. Position uh, groups have been assigned. This is a young, young coaching staff. We're going to talk about that, what we think about it. Uh, also, we want to talk about the draft eligible Wolverines with the Senior Bowl ramping up right now, where we project them and where we think might be a good fit for them and what we think they might do in the NFL. We will talk about that and more right after this. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. Uh, we were talking before the break about the greatness of Thomas J. Brady, greatest living American, and wanted to touch on this before we moved on, the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady uh, fluctuation of greatness there with Tom Brady uh, going to the Super Bowl here and Patriots winning, what, six games? What was the winning percentage? Do you still have that brought up of Bill Belichick without Tom Brady? Uh, I can pull it up, I be, but I do know it is worse than Rex Ryan's winning percentage. That's what it was. That was the stat you yep. gave me. It's worse than Rex Ryan's career win percentage. So pretty clear win for Thomas J. Brady. Yeah, it looks good. Hey, baby, you know, you don't play hardball with him and you give him some help and you draft good players. I mean, I don't I mean, maybe you don't have him. You're just throwing the people off the street every weekend. That's what I'm saying. Just be like, look, we need you to take less money so that we can pay a lot more money to all these role players like James White. And, you know, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm not going to pay this. Guy. I'm going to let him go. So you're not going to have any receivers to throw to except guys that are all, you know, five, nine undersized and white. Yeah, pretty sure he's happy throwing to Mike Evans, Antonio Brown and uh, oh, God, what's the Chris other guy? Godwin Godwin. Yeah. Yeah. You know, life's a little bit, a little more weapons there. 
Yeah, down in Florida, no state tax. Thomas yeah. J. Brady is doing fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, we wanted to talk about the coaching staff, which has been filled out. Everyone has been si- assigned their role. Other than maybe, um, actually, no, there was another addition today, which I will bring up. Um, he was a defensive assistant that got added. Um, so I want to bring that up. But the the list is out there. Do you want to kind of run us through this list of who is going to be coaching what? Yeah, I'll pull it up right now. So, as we know, we were talking about before about how Harbaugh might take over the quarterbacks, and he did. So Jim Harbaugh is going to be head coach and quarterback coach. Josh Gaddis, offensive coordinator and coaching wide receivers. Sharon, yeah, Sharon Moore promoted to co-OC and the controversial one taking over offensive line for Ed Werner. Yeah, um, that one we should probably talk about for a moment. Um, both of those Gaddis taking OC slash wide receiver seems a bit strange to me. Um, but I guess that is because Sharon Moore will also be co OC. And I don't know how I feel about the OC, um, the OC and then co OC, you know, splitting up responsibilities like that. I don't know. I don't necessarily have the information on how that's looked and how that's worked in the past. This is kind of what they're doing here. As far as what I know about college football. I have not seen this drastic of a move since I've been following it to go gut your entire staff and go younger everywhere. It's it's impressive. I mean, this is a hell of a move by Harbaugh and company to really give this thing a go. We talked about it, it had to be something extreme. I've never seen a coaching overhaul this extreme before. I mean, this was this is unprecedented in a major program to say the least. That I've been covering, yes, and you know, and that I pay attention to. I definitely agree. Um, so I'm fine with Gaddis working with the wide receivers. That's fine. Sharon Moore as co-OC and offensive line coach. Look, this one to me, Werner was the guy you should have retained. And I get it. You're trying to get your average coaching age down to 26 or whatever you're trying to do. But Ed Werner was the best hire Harbaugh has made, bar none. Do yeah. you agree or disagree? I, I completely agree. I think... I like Ed Werner more than I like the Josh Gaddis hire. And I like, I mean, I'm fine with Gaddis, but man, the Ed Werner hire is the best hire he's made and the most important, I believe, until the Mike McDonald hire this year. I kind of thought Ed Werner would be getting looks as maybe a OC or something, but this goes to show me with the guys that they're bringing in and we'll get to the defensive side of the ball. We got more coaches to talk about, Um, but this seems to me like a deliberate switch to go to guys that are recruiting aces and are coming up in the coaching world. Because Werner, with how good he was at his job, would have moved on and moved up if that were something he was trying to do. I don't know that he was trying to be an OC. I don't know if he was either. It's very strange because he was co-OC with Tom Herman on the national championship Buckeye teams. So it was weird that he was so just comfortable being offensive line coach at Michigan. And that dude just put an entire offensive line into the NFL. Yeah. Uh, Mike Onwenu was the highest graded offensive rookie in the NFL, or second highest behind Justin Jefferson. Ruiz looked good after coming back from injury. Runyon is sticking. He saw playing time this year. Bredesen's not as much, but the Ravens are a well-established team. And, you know, it's, it might be a minute till he gets in, but I, I still have high hopes for Bredesen. Yeah, Werner was one of the best that we've had. So that one, to me, I would have preferred keeping him. I think Zordich is a guy that I've also been impressed with, but we kind of talked about this two pods ago. 
it may have been Zordich was a product of the rest of the defense and having dominant defensive lines for four years there. I think so as well. I think a lot of sins are covered up by that offensive line. And as we're seeing with some of these moves, like the retention of Sean Nua, maybe there are some things we don't know about Don Brown's scheme and what players were asked to do in certain situations. Yep, absolutely. So moving down the list, you mentioned Mike Hart, running backs coach. We talked about that last week. Ron Bellamy taking over as wide receivers coach. And this one I didn't really have any opinions on until I read a little bit more about it. But Bellamy apparently has a huge, huge presence in southeast Michigan. And this seems like a very deliberate move to get an in-state recruiter because prior to this, it was Gaddis and Sharon Moore recruiting the area, but they don't really have ties to the area. Whereas Ron Bellamy specifically has ties to Michigan. I think that this is a deliberate hire in order to bring in more, you know, to make sure the best players in Michigan continue to go to Michigan. A hundred percent. This reminds me, wasn't Partridge at New, in New Jersey at Rashawn Gary school and he got brought over in 16 with him. Correct. And, and then dominated recruiting over in that part of the country for exactly. a bit. Exactly. Dominated the New Jersey, Connecticut, um, Northeast area. That's exactly what this is, except this is locking down the home state. Like this is what every major college wants to do. And this is a state, this is a statement to the big 10 and just the entire region. Like Ron Bellamy's coming for your kids <laughs> like in the most non-creepy way possible. I'm sorry. I phrased it that way, <laughs> <laughs> but Ron Bellamy, this will help really lock down just a certain radius surrounding Ann Arbor and keeping the best kids in Michigan coming to Michigan. I'm just worried about this showing up on local news stations, like local podcasters <laughs> claim he's coming for your kids. <laughs> This and more coming up. <laughs> Bellamy all of a sudden just on all these watch lists. Oh, God. I just kill Michigan football. Then I just kill myself <laughs> after. No, but you're absolutely <laughs> right. And uh, it kind of felt like with the hiring of Partridge, and I could be wrong, but the timing of this seemed as though he may have been brought in almost specifically for one player. Like they brought him in to make sure they got Rashawn Gary. Yep. And my and, and that could be completely false, but don't I mean, the evidence is there and when there's smoke there, there may be fire. So I want to know, would you consider hiring a position coach, especially if it's just wide receiver or something like that, just to secure one ridiculous five star? Yeah. Would you consider doing that? A hundred percent. You get the best player in the country or like Donovan Edwards, one of the best running backs in the country. Just put this guy on the position coaching staff and. May not know technique all that well, but there's two wide receiver coaches for a reason. He's there to recruit, and he was there to get Donovan Edwards. We won games because of Rashawn Gary, so yes. yeah, it's, I'd say so. I yeah. mean, this is a uh, it, college football is very interesting in that you know sometimes Iowa State you're able to get a lot out of a guys and a lot out of your guys, and they can play above their level, but it is still very much about recruiting talent. So I, I'm for it, but now let's hope that they can also develop talent. So uh, moving down, Jay Harbaugh remains on the staff. He will be special teams and tight end. I wanted to talk about him for a minute because I saw some fodder on Twitter that he needs to be let go because he's just, you know, this is nepotism and he's never really done anything for us and you keep moving him around. What are your thoughts on Jay Harbaugh on the staff? I think Jay Harbaugh is a fine coach. Running backs last year were 
what he did with Hassan Haskins, bringing him back from linebacker and the production he got out of him. And the running back room is loaded, but he got the most out of the guys, true freshmen on the field. No, I think Jay Harbaugh's a rising coach. He's This is way more than just nepotism. That's just people going at a low-hanging fruit headline because his last name's Harbaugh. I agree, and I've actually been pretty high on Jay Harbaugh for a minute, um, partly because he, in the last two years especially, was one of our best recruiters. Now we've really upped the recruiting prowess of this team, but this guy can recruit. He's young. His guys like him. And what you said about the running backs, its that's such a tough thing to say because we were so awful last year. But clearly he's developed Hassan Haskins into a number one running back. No one's going to disagree with that. There was obviously issues with the offensive line last year. Um, and I don't know what he has to do with the running back rotation. So I'm not quite as high on how the running backs performed last year. I think that they were saddled with some some issues that they had to overcome. But I'm not necessarily willing to say like, oh, he worked wonders with him. It's but I've been impressed with Haskins and, you know, Blake Corum looks looks good, but we were not running all over everyone last year. But that, like I said, there's a lot to that. There is a lot. And I think Jay Harbaugh is a solid recruiter. There's a little, you know, continuity in the staff and it keeps up with the young theme that this team's going for. So, no, I mean, this is I said far from a nepotistic hire. I'm fine with this, you know, just keeping him there and moving him to a different position. I'm fine with it as well. Um, man, with what you've acquired as far as re- recruiting, we better be a top five recruiting class next year. Like, yeah. I want to see, I want to see, I mean, you're going to need a good season. You're going to need nine wins in order to get people to buy in. If you come out and lay a dud and we get six, seven wins, all the recruiting prowess in the world isn't going to help you. But if you have a nine win season and you look competent and, Yeah, I mean, I'm into it as well. So I like that keep as well. Mike McDonald at defensive coordinator, we've touched on a little bit. We won't go too much more into that other than I'm talking myself into this one. I am as well. I mean, everything surrounding the guy seems good. Everyone's buying into him. Everything coming out from previous jobs and positions with the Ravens forever. The young hotshot, man. I love it. Come in here, prove your worth. He's moving up the ranks in football, and I think he's going to be hungry at this position. Something tells me this dude must have must have had an interview that was out of this world. Yep. Like this must have been absolutely just crushing your interview because I'm I don't know what goes on in these interviews, and I'd like to talk to uh, you know to my maybe my stepdad and and some guys that have been in some of these interviews and see what this goes like. I want to know if it's like, do you get to know the guy? Or do you get to know the scheme? Do you get to know his knowledge base? Are you quizzing him like you're doing Sean McVay? Like, hey, you know, in the third quarter of this game two years ago, what was your thought process going into this? Is that what you're after? So I'd be very interested to know what about the interview got this guy the job. But, I mean, they must have been super impressed with this guy. There must have been other guys, other teams that were considering him. I'd like to know more about that. So if there's any coaches anywhere listening that have any knowledge about what goes on with Coach Speak, I'm fascinated by it. Yeah, please, because what is he, 33? He's so young. Yeah, he's my age. Like, this must have been a Brandon Staley type deal where people are like, no, 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 this is the next guy. Yeah, this is, I mean, it's a big move. And it's impressive he's coming down uh, back to the college ranks, so... I love it. I'm, I'm the more I think about it, the more I read into it, the more optimistic I am. I'm optimistic too. And look, you come into this thing at a position uh, of strength because we ended as like the number 92 overall defense. Yeah. So you got to come in and beat number 92 overall. Yeah. With 
you know, a lot of talent. Well, the defensive side of the ball scares me, but it does. But you have some cornerstone pieces, like you have Aiden Hutchinson. You have you got Brad Hawkins. And Aiden Hutchinson. That should be yeah. enough. You got yeah, Brad yeah. Hawkins as well. Like you have some pieces here. Yeah, you you may need to go get a corner. We've talked about at length what you need to do in the transfer portal. This isn't that pod, but I, yeah, I'm talking myself into it because he must just be that guy. And these dudes all know football. Like, even if you think Jim Harbaugh isn't the best, I'm sure John Harbaugh knows a thing or two. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, the connection is there. I would love to, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm in, man, for whatever reason. Maybe it's the change. You know, any kind of change when it's so bad feels good. And you don't really know what to expect. I have no idea what scheme he's going to run. I don't know if it's going to be like the Ravens or it's going to be some exotic 155 scheme. But it's some, <laughs> It's not going to be 92nd in the country, I can tell you that. It should be better than 92nd in the country. I hope it's not a 155 scheme, but with our, our defensive line. Dude, it's not that bad. Our defensive line is not that bad, but... um. Moving down the list, you know, good transition. Sean Nua is retained at defensive lines coach. This one is the biggest surprise of all of this because you and I said if anyone should be gone, it should be Brown and Nua because of the performance of the defensive line last year. Um, neither Hinton nor Mozzie Smith has made really any developments. It could be a lot. It could be a lot of other factors that we don't know about. But defensive line was maybe the most underperforming unit of the year last year. Not helped by the health. Injuries on the outside. Carlo Kemp having to play defensive end wasn't good for anybody. No. Nope. And something tells me they felt like Don Brown was more to blame for the defensive line than Sean Nua. Maybe he had to adapt certain things to them, and they had to play roles that they were uncomfortable with, and there might have been philosophical disagreements we don't know about. I just don't know, but Michigan has been able to win with technique with middle-of-the-road defensive linemen before. Like, look at the development of Ryan Glasgow as an example of what we've been able to do with middle of the road talent and turn them into above average big 10 starters. That's what I want to be seeing out of our defensive line. And pretty much since Maurice Hurst le left, we haven't seen it. We haven't seen development on the defensive line. Um, it, we've seen guys go in the NFL, you know, as fringe picks like Josh Uche and stuff like that, but there's not been that domination and it's gone down every year. So Sean knew this is a prove it year for him, for sure. The fact that he's retained. Yeah. Has to do something this year. Aiden Hutchinson's back. Braden McGregor's healthy. Don't forget about that kid. That'll be, that'll be big. So there are some pieces there to move around and integrate into the system. They're going to have hope knock on wood. They're going to have spring ball this year too, to get players in and integrated. That would be that would be huge for this team. A few transfers coming in would be huge for my enthusiasm. Brian Jean Mary stays at linebackers coach. George Hello comes in as safeties coach. I've got nothing. I don't know. I didn't do my research. I don't know who that is. Is that guy hooked up your cable last week? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was him. Oh, he was like, it's good to see yeah. you. I believe he used to be at Colorado State. I'm I'm pulling it up really quick to double yeah, check. He got me the Stars Channel for like a dollar ninety nine less a month than it normally would be. Tremendous, <laughs> tremendous. I mean, George. I mean, George was just you know a great you know great to bring in. You know, really hooked me up with everything. Here we go. <laughs> George Hilo joins the safeties coach. He spent 2020 as special teams coordinator, inside linebackers coach at Maryland, a member of two national championship teams, and viewed as one of college football's top defensive minds. Spent some time at Colorado State. Uh, doo -doo -doo. Yeah, he's bounced around. I mean, 
Yeah. I wonder if that's the thought process here is they're just getting good defensive minds. Yeah, yeah, it's that's what it seems like. He's had stints at Alabama, Florida State, Georgia. He helped Florida State with the 2013 title just as a grad assistant there and then spent was a grad assistant at Georgia with the safeties, worked under Saban was his first like actual hire. Um, so, yeah, there is I mean He's been well, I mean, under some really good defensive coaches with Nick Saban and then back under Kirby Smart. So he's he's been around some minds there. So I think the guy's got, I mean, a lot of promise. He's on the rise. He's very young, as this entire staff is. So obviously there's a trend here. Clearly. And I'm fine with the getting as many great defensive minds on one staff as you can, but that might be a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Everyone trying to point out, you know, all these nuances. You also still want somebody that can teach technique. So hopefully yep. they still have that. Um, and then one minor note today, a assistant was hired. It is UT Martin defensive line coach, Ryan Osborne hired as a defensive analyst. Once again, a guy that people thought was in a great football mind. So that pretty much backs up our thought process there, especially on defense. They are going for football minds, guys that know the game. So, and also I like that he is on the, the defensive line though. Yeah, it's very, it's innovative young minds is what they're going for. So guys that know modern football, that's clearly this trend. It's modern football with top-notch young recruiting. And honestly, that's what this team needed. We can't be playing defense from 1995 anymore, struggling to recruit kids. So Thank God we've addressed that issue. Don Brown's gone and we got all this youth in there now. It's like, say goodbye to the old man. You know, the kids are taking over now. You know, and I love your enthusiasm on it. You're of the two of us and we are an enthusiastic and optimistic pair. Uh, I think you're a little bit more optimistic about this staff than I am, but I am willing to buy in um, because I like that there is a clear intention to this which is recruiters that can come in and know defense and they're just above average football minds. Yeah. And maybe that's what we need. I, I, I don't know, but I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see basis here. Like, like we said, or it will surely be better than 92nd in the league. It has to be. And what I love about youthful coaches on the rise is they're all trying to get the next job. They're all trying to move up. So there's going to be 110% from everybody, and as long as Mike McDonald keeps control of that room and it's his word above all, I mean, best idea wins, but he gets final say, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with it too, and you've now kind of hitched your, your wagon to this train and a lot riding on next year. Six, seven wins is going to – people aren't going to be cool with it. I know you just signed a new contract, but – you know, this is this is an extenuation of what's been going on, an extension of what's been going on. Excuse me. And if, if it's six, seven wins, like you just hitched your your wagon to the wrong train. So we'll see. But I, I kind of like where they're going. I, 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 I want this. I want this on the record that if this hits and, you know, coaches start leaving, Michigan could become a funneling school for young up and coming coaches that have good minds of the game to move up through the ranks. We're no longer going to retain the coaches that have been doing this for 25 years that have these old outdated schemes. They could be keep funneling in the youth and you know, not everybody's going to hit youth doesn't guarantee innovation, but it could bring in a lot more like, cool, like interesting concepts that are adaptive and conducive to winning in modern day football. 
Yeah. Oh, and we totally skipped over the guy that I actually am the most high on, I think. And that's Mo Linguist uh, coming from the Cowboys, who Jordan Lewis came out and was really pounding the table for. And I'm, I'm aboard this one. Um, particularly because of his recruiting success at Texas A&M. And people are like, oh, the Cowboys defense was was completely awful that last year. And that is very true. Um, but he was the cornerbacks, defensive backs coach there. They had a rash of injuries and they were actually, uh, they were 28th in overall scoring, but they were 31st against Rundy and 11th against the pass. So this guy was actually doing quite a bit with very little. Uh, Once again, people talk highly about him, but I look at his recruiting success. He's actually the guy that recruited Rashad Bateman to Minnesota as well. This dude can recruit for sure. And a presence in Texas, I'm in. Yeah, the Texas presence is huge. I mean, you can pull up his 247 profile. I mean, it's just got everything on there. No, great hire. I love that he's co-DC and working with defensive backs makes me even happier. Yeah, I'm excited about that one. Um, So we were going to get into best fits for NFL players, but we just went pretty long on that. You know, that that was a deep dive. So that's fine. Sounds like that's yeah, that is us. You know, we get into we get into chatting and especially, you know, we haven't really chatted deep about football in a while. So before we go, though, there are two more minor hits I want to talk about. Uh, The first one, let's start with the good news, and that is Karis LeVert underwent successful um, surgery to remove a mass from his kidney uh, that was potentially cancerous and is now out indefinitely, but is expected to make a full recovery. I mean, the best news, man, like could have led with this. It's just fantastic. He even said the trade could have saved his life having to get this physical and get tested. And it came out and man, I hope everything's okay for the kid and get back on the court as soon as possible. Yeah, I agree. This was obviously great news for him, a guy that I've always really enjoyed. I enjoy watching him, and I really love the fit with Indiana. I think they're going to be a great team. He's going to play in the playoffs and play meaningful minutes, so hopefully he can get back this year. But just overall, great for Karis LeVert, great young kid. So that's the good news. The bad news, which isn't necessarily bad news, it's expected news. Because, I mean, what do you expect a snake in the grass to do other than slither? But Urban Meyer accepting the job at Jacksonville is maybe the least surprising thing. Maybe not the Jacksonville part, but that he's coaching again. Is that in any way surprising? Absolutely not. Everybody knew it was coming. I always speculated wildly that it was going to be USC when that job came open. But Shagcom backed up the Brinks truck. And I think Urban Meyer wants to see if he can do what Nick Saban couldn't do him with at the pro level. So, he wants to really take that stab at, you know, being one of the, the greatest ever. This is his chance. But yeah, it's funny how, you know, health issues just clear up when the, the money gets long enough. Yeah, we'll see uh, what kind of losing streak that it takes in order for those health problems to start flaring back up. But I have to imagine having Trevor Lawrence locked up as the number one pick it had to play a factor in this. You know, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> like, any, ch- any chance he goes fields? Any chance he pulled this is an absolute rope-a-dope? No, there's no, no, <laughs> no, no, not a ch- I would take, I like Zach Wilson more than fields personally, but same. the, uh, no, Trevor Lawrence can't miss, dra- do, do the right thing. I'm sure rumors will start. I think this happened before. I forget who it was, but they're like, oh, he's going to draft this kid. No, you draft the best player. Sorry. Is there a more well-documented liar other than, uh, <laughs> we won't get into that, than Urban Meyer? Like, he, he's top three most documented liars. He, he's in politician category. That's where he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, that's what that's, I more want to say. That's the way like, to put it. Politicians, non-politician. I mean, he's, yeah. I mean, the man, I, 
I don't know. I have I have no words for Urban Meyer except bad ones, so I'm just going to hold it back. Let's let's leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, but do you think Jacksonville has success under him? Do you think this works out? I honestly hate that Urban Meyer is a great coach. I think he will. I do. I hate it. I think, I think he's a really good coach as well, but there is that difference between picking your own guys and, you know, recruiting them up and then coaching a bunch of adults that are making millions of dollars. So I'm going to go throw up now. So, yeah, <laughs> you know what? Same. That sounds fine. Yeah. Seems better than saying good things about Urban Meyer. I'm done. I can't do that yeah. anymore. That's all for 2021 for me. I'm into it. I'm into it. Um, so we will save our discussion for uh, draft eligible Michigan guys until maybe next week or the week after. That makes more sense. Let's see the Senior Bowl anyway. Yeah. Uh, from what I hear, Ambry Thomas looks good though. Uh, he could use that. He could use a bump. So hopefully, those guys that are in the Senior Bowl are able to do something. What other no Michigan players Michigan. are in the Senior Bowl? What's that? What other Michigan players are in the Senior Bowl? I think Nordine. <laughs> I, I think um, um, uh, Ben Mason's in there too. And Mason, yeah, I saw Mason go against Tough Borland today, which is a ridiculous first name for a human being. Uh, Cameron Cheeseman and Chris Evans are also there. And Evans, yeah. Evans is a guy that, from what I was reading, could be a draft, a guy that gets drafted in the later rounds. People see the potential. I, I, we've always loved Chris Evans. Oh, of course, his article's behind a paywall. Um, yeah, it says there's, yeah, did we name all five? Um, Cheeseman, Nordine, Evans, uh, Ambry Thomas, and Mason. Do we say him? Yeah. Is, I don't know who we're missing. Is Nico Collins playing in it? I don't think so. Oh, yeah. look at our little preparedness here. Regardless. I know. I totally forgot about. The, um, well, that's all right. We're, we're not reporting on the Senior Bowl now. We'll report on it next time when we have all the information. But I know Nordine's there. I know Evans is there. I know Nico Collins is there. Collins is there? Is there. He's the fifth. Okay. So, yeah, Collins and Thomas definitely with the best chances to actually really improve their their draft stock. So, we'll be watching that. Uh, next week, we'll talk about that. Um, we were talking about our, our 2019 draft off-air. Yes. And we actually really think that we maybe did better than the GMs on this one. So, we might revisit that and preview the next draft, too next week so we're going to pontificate how great we are so please tune in <laughs> yeah no i've got so much hot air ready to spew you have no idea get a few beers in me it's over <laughs> get a few capri suns my way i'm ready yeah you gave me so much crap for not moving up and taking devin bush and taking devin white early and then i held held pat with the steelers and still took devin bush at 20 yeah, I, I still don't tolerate Devin Bush slander. You know this. There is no Devin Bush slander. I still draft You take him. him first and you hold out for Devin White. He got injured. Devin White's in the Super Bowl. It's I don't fine. even care. He's in the Super Bowl because of Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for saying his full name. We appreciate that on Out of the Blue. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us on Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, whether that be Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, wherever. Make sure you check out our sponsors, Homefield. Uh, check in at all of our podcasts and all of our content at mazeandbrew.com. Follow us on Twitter at mazeandbrew. Do all of these things. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. Go blue.